0: Welcome. Um, Welcome to class three, I think, of Christianity and the arts. Um, My name is Zachary Roberts. For those of you that don't know me, um, and Ross kind of introduced me the first day, but I'll give you a little bit of my background in uh, the arts. Uh, I started in the arts when I was about seven years old. My mom uh, took me to audition for the Nutcracker because they needed toy soldiers. And so I became a toy soldier. Um, And she put me in theater classes because she wanted me to be a lawyer. And so she wanted me to feel very comfortable speaking in front of people. And she had no idea that it was gonna backfire on her and that it would become my career. Um, And so that's just kind of a funny story about about that. And so I have been doing theater basically my entire life. Um, I went to school for theater and theater education And then I went to graduate school to get my MFA in directing, which is um, my specialty. So um, that's just a little bit about me. Um, And I have a beautiful wife who is not here this morning um, because she is at work. And uh, three kiddos, um, uh, Lila, Oliver, and Truman. So they're here today with me. It was a great drive in. It was awesome. It was lots of fun. So, um, Let's just take a minute to pray, and then we'll get started, all right? Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to um, to talk and discuss the love of story that you have. And Father, I just pray that this lesson would be a time of growth and a time of, uh, of questions And that we might learn to know you more. In your precious name I pray. Amen. So I want to start today by asking you a quick question. um, And I want you to think about it. And don't worry, no one has to answer if you don't want to. But I'd love to get your ideas. Um, So I did an exercise with my students. I teach theater over at North Raleigh Christian Academy. And I did um, an exercise with my students where I asked them, what are the three most important stories that have impacted your life? right? And so I'm, I'm going to assume most of us in here would say the Bible, so don't feel the need to say the Bible. Um, of course, that had a huge impact on us, right? Um, but I want you to think for just a minute or two, what are the top three stories? It could be a novel, it could be a short story, it could be a film, um, it could be anything. But what, as you look back across your life, what are the three, the top three stories that have, um had an impact on you. And I'll start by giving you my example. Um, The top three for me have been A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee, and J.M. Barrie's Peter Pan. Those three stories have had a huge impact on my life, and they've really shaped the way that I think about story. So just take a minute or two, think about the stories, and then maybe we'll have somebody share out for just a couple of minutes if you feel led so. So just think for a minute about maybe what are the top three stories that have had an impact on your life. Chronicles of Narnia, absolutely. It's a wonderful life, it's a wonderful life. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm? Little women. Excellent. Anybody else? The Hardy Boys. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially the stories that when we're young have a huge influence on who we become and, and how we think about the world, right? Yeah. Anybody else? Um, and so I just wanted to do that because I wanted us to realize how important story really is, is to us as, as a people. Um, you know, we think about great storytellers of the past and, um, just a couple of reasons that I call us creatures of story, right? Hold on a second. Okay. Hmm. Am I hitting the wrong button? Yeah, okay. Sorry, I did that earlier (laughs) too. All right. So why do we tell stories? There's a couple different reasons that we tell stories, right? Um, And the first is to understand, right? So we tell stories to help other people understand our experiences, who we are as people, right? Um, You tell that story to help them understand your world and the way that you see the world and that sort of thing, right? we tell stories to experience, right? Because maybe we've never been to India or maybe we've never been to Africa before, but we can hear someone tell us a story of, what's that, of what that's like, and we can live vicariously through them and through their story, right? Um, and Aristotle, who I'm going to talk about a lot, um, had um, a great deal to say about living vicariously through characters and how we can experience the world by experiencing it through character, right? And then, of course, we tell stories to escape, right? To get out of our everyday humdrum lives, right? We tell stories to escape, right? To, to experience something else, to be somewhere else, right? Um, you know, for me, that was Peter Pan. I wanted to leave the ordinary world and kind of travel into this neverland, right? Right? um, that, that never was, but except exists in our imagination, right, um, so to understand and to experience and to escape, and finally we use story to educate, right, um, we have stories to help us learn how to read, right, all, all those sorts of things, and, um, we do this, we use story to educate, right, um, And evolutionary biologists have been pondering this question about why do we tell story? What's the point, right? Like at one point, it probably was very helpful to describe what happened on the hunt and that sort of thing, and that was very interesting. But then what do you do, right, with a Walt Disney, for example, right? What do you do with a person who just tells story for the sake of telling story, right? And I don't mean that in a negative way, like we talked about art for the sake of art. But someone who is just... Life is telling stories, right? And I think there's a very simple explanation for this, right? And that explanation is that we are image bearers, right? And because we're image bearers, we are made in the image of God, and God is a storytelling God, right? He is a a God who reveals himself through story, right? Think about the Bible, right? Um, Most scholars agree it's about 60% narrative, right? That's a lot, right? Um, God could have given us all kinds of different things in the Bible. He could have, he does, and he gives us all different kinds of like, for example, poetry or law or things like that, right? But 60% of the Bible is story. And so story must be really important to God, right? Or otherwise, the way that he chose to reveal himself, he would, he could have done it in any number of ways, but he does it through language. He does it through the written word, Right, okay, and there's other ways, but for our sake of our time right now we'll we'll talk about the way that he does that through story, right um and if you have questions as we go along or anything, please feel free to to raise your hand um and I'm sure we'll talk about it at the end, yes. That's a great question. I think, um, (laughs) I think because that's the way that we were created, and that's the way that he created us, is to communicate in story and language, right? Um, I think about food, right? Like, we don't, he could have just given us, you know, a vitamin every day that would take care of all of our needs, but he didn't do that. Right, he's interested in beauty. He's interested in taste. He's interested in all these different things. And so, I think, you know, what better way to grab our attention, right, than by than by telling that story? So I think, yeah, I think it's I think it's part of our DNA, really. Uh, story is. I think it's that fundamental to who we are, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Um so y'all have probably heard the phrase the old old story, right? Um and we as Christians uh and not only us, but uh, we do primarily have a grand narrative, a meta-narrative. Now, this has come under attack recently in the last, well, probably for a while now, but um, this idea that there is a grand narrative, or there's this overarching narrative uh, to our world and to our story, right? Um, Because it doesn't fit neatly into, um, sometimes life doesn't fit neatly into this, but if we look at it overall, right, there is a grand narrative, there's a grand story, right? And... Um, it starts with creation, right? begins with the very act of creation, the very act of us um, being created, right? The story of Genesis uh, 1 and 2 is really important. And I love to point this out, and I'm sure you've thought of this before, but I love to point it out to people, right? The very, very first words of the Bible, right, are in the beginning, right? And it's similar, not the same, of course, but how your favorite stories probably start once upon a time, right? Okay. Um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? So right away, we're into this narrative, right? We're into this story of God creating. And then we have fall, right? We have God, um, or not God, man choosing to disobey God, right? And falling, the perfect creation falling into sin, Right? And we'll talk more about that in a second. Then we have redemption, right? Redemption. Who doesn't love a good redemption story, right? This is basically what every, um, I mean, I, my dad loves sports, all right? And um, he wanted me to play basketball so badly. He really did. Um, and I did my, my ninth grade year. I played, I scored three points. I was really bad. <laughs> and after that, he was like, son, you can probably find something else to do, right? <laughs> um, but he loves sports. And I love sports just because of that. Like, he's a Duke fan, so he's very happy um, right now. Um, and he, the thing about sports is that sports is a story, if you think about it, right? It's two sides going against each other, right? They even wear costumes. They don't call them costumes because <laughs> that's not cool, right? But think about it. They wear costumes, right? They are costumes, right? We don't like to call it that because that's not cool, but that's what they are, right? There's color and there's meaning to the color, right? Um, And there's a uniform that you wear for every kind of sport, right? And that's how you kind of identify the players, right? And all the good movies, all the good sports movies come down to what? They come down to the last shot or the final throw or whatever it happens to be, right? And the team overcomes, right? There's a sense of, of redemption, and, and of course, redemption plays out in so many different ways, um, in all the stories that we that we listen to and talk to, um, and talk about, right. And then finally, there's what I call consummation, right? Um, uh, the the recreation, the, the coming again, um, the perfection of of all of that, and the the consummation of the kingdom coming, right. And so this is kind of the the grand narrative that we as Christians kind of espouse and kind of think about and think about the world, right? Um, now, here's the tricky thing, though. Not every story has all four of these elements, and that's, that's an issue, right? Um, because especially in the church, right, we want there to be a message. We want the message of Christ to go forward, right? And of course we do. That's really important, right? But here's the thing about art and story. It doesn't always tell all four parts, right? It doesn't always neatly wrap everything up with a bow, right? And that's a problem um, for Christians because we know the truth and we want the truth to go forward, right? And I think that is kind of assuming a lot about what art does. Um, And I had a very wise professor who told me, you know, um, everyone has a worldview. They're going into their art thinking about it a certain way. Right? But the best art in the world asks questions right and propels thought right um, and helps you to think about the world in a different way right and not you know that doesn't mean there aren't people out there who want to or are trying to push an agenda right they are we all are right in a way right um, but the best art opens up to questions and lets you kind of in in, understand the world a bit more and ask you questions about the world and what, is, what does the world look like now, all right? Um, and so it doesn't always fit neatly into these categories, right? I wish it did. That'd be really um, that'd be really helpful, <laughs> but it doesn't, right? So, um, sorry, I'll go backwards. The incarnation, right? The doctrine of the incarnation. This is... This, I've fallen in love with this idea so much because it really says a lot about who God is, right? And the fact that he created the world, the world is, is, is moving, there's a story, there's a, a narrative, a linear um, progression. And then, you know, God could have chosen any different number of ways to intercede for us. But what does he do? He becomes man, Right? He steps down into the story, right? He becomes one of us, right? And now he's very different, obviously, right? Please don't get me wrong, right? He's fully God and fully man. That's really important. But he is, he is fully man, right, in Christ, right, in Jesus, right? And so that gives so much worth and value to the work that we do as human beings, Right? Um, it shows us and gives us, especially when it comes to story and the importance of story, the incarnation is a beautiful way to think about that and a beautiful way to think about God stepping down into the story of humanity, right, and becoming part of that story, right. Um, again, he could have saved us in any number of ways, right, but this is the way that he chose to do that, right. Um, so Jesus um. Probably one of the best preachers ever, I would imagine, right? Um, but here's the curious thing, right? When, when Jesus is asked a question, sometimes, a lot of the time, he answers it with a story, right? Okay, going back to what you said about attaching a story to an idea, that's what Jesus does. He's the master of that, right? And he answers with parables, right? Now, sometimes he tells sermons, and sometimes he does preach, and that's, that's great, Right, but a lot of times to help people understand, he goes to a story, and helps them to understand through a story. Right? For example, oh dear, I'm pressing the wrong button. Luke chapter 15. Right? Okay. He gets asked a question: Who is my neighbor? Right? And what does he? He could have just said, "Well, your neighbor," you know. He could have said any number of things, but what does he do? He tells the story of the Good Samaritan right? And he's answering this person's question through story. And that just means so much to me as an artist, because it really gives a lot of value to what we as artists do, right? Um, uh, For those of you that don't know, I'm in seminary right now at Fuller Theological Seminary, and we are, um, I'm studying theology and the arts, and so I've taken a lot of great classes. And one of the classes I really want to take is the parables of Jesus. There's a whole class just on the parables of Jesus, and I'm really excited to take that. Um, but also, I've been doing a little research and study, and they um talking about the, the letters of Paul, right? And how um, the letters of Paul would have been presented to the church, right, in each different place. And more likely than not, probably they would have been read aloud, right, and there's some scholarship, some research going on that actually um, maybe those storyteller, maybe it was much more like storytelling than just simply someone standing up and reading the letter, like actually there might be a performative element to it, right, um, so I started to look at that, and that's really interesting to me because, you know, most people, you know, could not read at that time, and so the bringing, the presenting of the letter might have had some performative elements to it, right, so kind of interesting, Little side note there. That was that was for free. Um, some scholars say that Jesus told as many as 30 parables, and some scholars um, say as many as 50, right? And I'm sure there's an exact number in there somewhere, but just, again, the importance of story, the importance of um, story to who we are and the way that we think and the way that we learn and the way that Christ taught us, right? Um thinking about the fall, this is something I, I do a lot um, uh, as far as part of the story, right? And I think this is, can be a little bit of, a, of, a, of an issue, right, for, for us as Christians It's like how much do we think about the fall because we need to think about it, right, but we don't want to wallow in it. We don't want to be sucked down into that darkness, but we have to think about the darkness and we have to respond to the darkness, right? I had, when I was in grad school, um, We were church, going around different churches and visiting different churches. And um, we went to this one church, and this lady came up to me and introduced herself. And she said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a student at um, Western, and I'm studying theater. And she goes, how can you be a Christian and do theater? I said, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, She said, well, I haven't seen anything at that school since the last good thing they did was death of a salesman. And I said, (laughs) ma'am. Do you know what Death of a Salesman is about? Do you know what happens in Death of a Salesman, right? Um, And so we talked a little bit, and, you know, for those of you that don't know, you know, Death of a Salesman is um, one of the centerpieces of the plot, is an affair that um, the main character has, and his son discovers it, and it kind of destroys his, uh, his picture of his father, right? Okay, guess what? That's dealing with the fall right, Um, and so I think it's really important to think about that, right, and should we be telling stories that deal with the fall and sin, right, and I I think the answer is yes, I think the answer is yes, right, now, we're all going to have different ideas about how that happens, right, Um, content is a big discussion, right, and all of us have a conscience, right, and God speaks and talks to us about that, right, um, for example, um, for me, like I have to be careful about sexual content in things. That's just an area that I have to be careful of, right? For some of us, it's language. For some of it's the violence, right? Those seem to be the big three that get talked about a lot in story. Um, so we do have to be careful. We do have to use discretion and wisdom. We have to, I think, pray about things that we take in, right? Um, but I think we do have to deal with the fall, Right? And we have to deal with stories that deal with that. Right, um, God commands us, and this is one of my favorite verses. I love this so much. Right, um, It's from Deuteronomy. Right, And most people are like, oh, okay, cool. Um, so it says, remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That's why I'm giving you this commandment. He's actually talking about the Sabbath in this passage, and he's talking about... You know, when the Israelites were in Egypt, they didn't have a day off. They worked constantly, right? And God has given us the gift of Sabbath as a way to rest, right, and to enjoy him and to to remember that we belong to him and that we were redeemed by him, right? So we have to remember where we've come from, and we have to remember where other people might be in their search for the truth, right? They might be very, very lost, Right, and so we have to remember that, and we have to remember how to deal with that, and we have to um, deal with stories that deal with that. Right? Um, one of the things that I, that Ross and I have been talking about is the idea of the sacred and the secular, and we're going to talk more about that um, as we, as we pursue Christianity and the arts. Um, but you know, for example, one of my favorite playwrights is Eugene O'Neill, right, and. Um, I'm going to talk more about him when I talk about plays. I'm very excited. But he is struggling with, who, with, with faith and with ideas, and he is looking at them and exploring them. He doesn't come to the same conclusion that we do right, as Christians, but Christianity had a huge impact on him in his early life. right, um, And so he's dealing with the fall, right, and he's, he's trying to work that out. Right? And sometimes the story is complete and whole, and sometimes it's not, right? And so we have, to be, we have to be discerning about that and wise about that, right? But we do have to deal with the fall, right? Um, and that's something that I've learned um, to do. But it was really interesting, because in grad school, one of my professors talked to me about the idea that um, stories have to have hope in the end. All right, now this guy is not a Christian, right? Okay, okay. Um, and he is—he's, you know, decidedly not a believer in Christ, right? Um, and but yet he—no one in my journey through school ever told me that. And I went to—I um, went to Christian school growing up, and I went to Campbell University, right? Um, and so there are all these places where someone along the line should have said, "Hey, Zachary, as a Christian, your plays should have a sense of hope to them." But no one ever told me that for some reason. And this professor told me that. He's like, Zachary, there's got to be a sense of hope. And that's been um, my love of tragedy. I love tragedy. Um, talk to Shannon about it, right? She'll tell you um, that we have to watch you know, films and things that are dramatic and tragic. And because I love the idea that um, that humanity finds a way through the terrible things, and we learn something by traveling through those terrible things. Oedipus Rex, for example, right, he learns the truth about himself, and it costs him his eyesight, but actually, at the end of the day, he's actually knows more about himself than he did at the beginning of the play. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Playing in the dirt, right? Um, this is a great phrase that I heard um, talking about God creating us, right, and that how He formed Adam, right, out of the dust of the earth, right, and He He created and He molded, right, okay, and created us, right, and He was. There's this sense of creation to it, right? Like it didn't just He didn't just snap His fingers and it happened, right? Like we do think that He spoke ex nihilo and that happens, right? But He took time to shape and form and and. And create, right? Um, and he played he played in the dirt, right And, it, and out of that beautiful creation came he, the, the pinnacle of creation, which is, is humankind, right? Oh dear. We do the same thing. We create and mold all of us. Some of us do it with words. Some of us do it with, um, through theater. Some of us are engineers in this room, right. Some of us are, we all create and we all mold something, right? We all have that spark of um, creativity in us. And it may come out in completely different ways, but we all have that, right? And we all create and mold in the model, in the imitation of God, right? It's different, right, obviously. Um, But um, we create um, like him, right? We're imitators of that, and we talked about that the other week, where um, creation is imitation of what God is. The, it's the image being played out in us, right? And we do that a lot of times using the intangible, using story, right? You know, um, you know, your children might want to hear the story of how you met, right? How did mom and dad meet? How did that happen, right? And so we create and mold this beautiful story, right, out of, out of it, hopefully, Hopefully we do. Um, but, um, you know, we tell them the story, and that's how they come to know more about us, right? Um, I want to touch real quickly. I'm going to take you back to high school English class, and I want to touch real, story, real quickly on the structure of story, all right? Um, you've probably seen this before. This is a story diagram, right? But not everyone may know may, or may have been a long time since you've had high school English, um, I, won't, I won't guess how long for all of us. Um, but this is a story structure, right? Um, and it's called the plot diagram, right? And this comes to us from Aristotle, right? Who kind of was, um, he wrote on poetics and he kind of, kind of gathered together, at least in the Western world, the first ideas about story and how story were being, was being told. And it starts with exposition. Right, We've got to introduce the characters. We've got to get to know the characters. We've got to get to know the world of the play, as I like to refer to it, or the world of the novel or the film or whatever it is. There's a beginning. right, And maybe there's stuff that's happened before, right? previous action, that's going to influence the story. And maybe we learn about that as we go through the, ex- uh, the exposition. right, um, And then we have right here, at this little point, you see the story starts to, go upward, right, we have a little something called the inciting incident, right, which is kind of like the bang that gets the story going, right, and, oh, and then we have rising action, right, and this is where the story gets developed, this is where the, you know, the hero is kind of put through the paces of the story, right, and kind of thinking about um, how he or she is going to um, overcome the forces that are kind of against them and oppose them, right. And then we have the climax, right? And this is generally when the antagonist and the protagonist come face to face and they kind of, um, it's a moment of great emotion and heightened emotion, right? And the, the questions that we've been asking for the whole play or for the whole story kind of come to a head, right? And then we have falling action, which kind of ties up loose ends of the plot, right? And kind of helps us to. Um, Think about how the story is going to come together, right? And then lastly, we have something called denouement, right? Um, or resolution, right? Now, here's the great thing. Back in Aristotle's day, he was like, this is the way it is. And a lot of the stories that were happening at that time followed this very well, all right? With the rise of modern uh, society and contemporary culture and that sort of thing, this story can get, this, this diagram can get turned on its head a lot. Right. For example, one of my favorite television shows is The West Wing. Right? Uh, usually what happens in The West Wing is they'll show you the end at the very beginning, and then they'll kind of reverse backwards and kind of show you and get you to that point again, and then show you the resolution. Right? That would have driven Aristotle nuts. Right. <laughs> he, would have, he would not have cared for that. All right? um, but um, this is the basic structure of a story. It's the basic way that stories have been told for a long time. Um, and it's part of the way that we understand stories and the way that we um, understand them, right? And if you think about our meta-narrative or our grand narrative that we looked at, it follows this structure, right? There's a creation. There was an inciting incident, our fall, right? There's a rising action, right? There's, um, there's all kinds of things that happen, right? And then um, there's redemption, and then one day there will be consummation, and we're looking towards that. right? Um, one thing that I do want to point out, and this is something that I've just observed, um, you'll notice right here that the exposition is, is down here and the denouement is up here. right? And that there's a difference. And that's the story that we travel. And I think that's, what, that's really important because I think when we get to the denouement or the resolution, the world is different than it was before. Right? The world is different, and I think having these things on different planes right, in space to help us to understand that the world is different, right? that it's not the same, that the character has grown and matured and learned something through their adventure. Right? Think about the Wizard of Oz. right? Think about all those things that Dorothy goes through, right? and then at the end she's learned something, and the world is different right, for her. It's not the same as it was at the beginning of the story. It's different now, right? Um, and so that's kind of where um, how this structure. Sit. Now, Shannon hates to watch movies with me sometimes because I'm like, "Ooh, yes, the inciting incident." She's like, "Can you just watch the film?" And I'm like, "No, I gotta like, I have to, I have to like." And I'm like, "Ooh, climactic moment," and she's like, "Ooh." be quiet let's watch the movie um so it's but it's great because I love watching that and kind of I tell my students I teach this in my intro to theater class um and I tell them I never want you to be able to watch another movie or television episode without this going through your head and they're like Mr. Roberts I'm like no sorry I'm with you for the rest of your life so um so that's really important uh, for me because and it doesn't mean I can't just sit back and enjoy a story because I can do that and I want to do that sometimes, right? Um, but a lot of times I'm looking at the story I'm trying to figure out um, where it is, right? Um, and so I'm, right now I'm working on Anastasia at North Raleigh Christian Academy and that story is, you, you might know the story of it, but um, there's a climactic moment which is at the very, very end of the play. The structure's a little different, Right, and we get to this climactic moment at the very end of the play. Excuse me, and then it just goes right into the finale. And I'm kind of like, whoa! Right, there's a lot that kind of happens in the last ten minutes of the show. Right. Anyway, um, so I hope this was kind of helpful. I hope it was maybe a review for you, and and kind of helps to start th- your thinking about the theology of story, and what did, why is story so important to us, and and. Um, I hope, you know, that you'll continue to think about that and think about when you read your book or your see a film or something like that, you'll think about the story um, that we're living and the story that is um, so important to us, right? Um, so that, uh, and then a book that's been really helpful that actually Ross gave to me that I took a lot of this um, information from, is um, Mike Cosper's The Stories We Tell, how television and movies long for and echo the truth. Right, and that kind of goes back to the other book that we've been using, Echoes of Eden, right, where art kind of calls back to this different time, right? Um, you know, I'm a theater artist, so story is really important to me, right? But I think after today, hopefully we've kind of, t- Taking a moment to think about how important story is to all of us, right? Um, and that even the story of a day, right? Um, getting up, going through the day, getting back um, at the end of the day, going to bed, right? Like that, even that story of the day, there's, there's story everywhere and it's all around us, right? And I think that's because, again, we're made in the image of God, right? And he's a storyteller. And I think it's really important to recognize that. And recognize the importance of that Um, because he reveals himself through story so cool um that was a lot so um uh, i'd love to have maybe a quick discussion or maybe some questions or thoughts that you might have or questions or anything that um that you might have now that we've kind of talked about that yes sir hmm I, like oh, I know I yeah, I know her. Yes. It's talking about God and and our understanding of God's character, mm-hmm. looking at him as an artist. Yeah. And the idea of coming up with the story and deciding to do this story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the the form of the story is, is the word. It's right. The telling of the story. And right. Christ is the personhood of God, which is the manifestation or the incarnation. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that whole book is essentially I love that. A picture of what you talking about. That's awesome. Yeah. We are a part of that story. Yes. Awesome. The mind of the maker. The mind of the maker. Dorothy Sayers. Yes, friend. Ooh. Well, I'm and a yeah. And Sure. It ends. And it's so that it ends. Yeah. And so I'm curious how what heaven would be like. Mm. It when, when it doesn't have to end. So, I mean, yeah. Wrap your mind what that, what that means, but. Yeah. I've been yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that lately. Um because I just finished taking systematic theology one and um, it was church creation and consummation and just thinking about what does eternity look like and what will that be like? And um, you know, the Bible gives us little ideas here and there. it's you know, but it's not complete in its understanding or it's telling, excuse me, of of what that's going to be like. I don't know. like I hope I, this is just a hope of mine, but I really hope I get to do, theater in the new the new heavens and the new earth. Like I can't imagine. I can't wait to see what it's going to be like to have a perfect rehearsal schedule where <laughs> no one misses and no one's sick, right? And we get to do the show with all the people there. Like um, I don't know. I don't, you know, th- there's a lot that we don't know, but I think music as well. Like you know, are, are we going to continue to create and I I, th- I think so. You know, I need to study that more and, and, and look at that more but um i hope so i hope that we're i hope that we're creating in the new heavens and the new earth yeah are by so if we're in a perfect place what Mm-hmm. All of what we're communicating has to be of God and, and the of existence. Yes, yeah. That's a Yeah. That's a great point, absolutely. I don't know, because you're right. Like, you know, in the new heavens and the new earth, well, you know, how will we deal with that? Because there won't be sin anymore, right? Um I don't know, that's a great question. That's a really good question. <laughs> Everyone will just step on But see I, see, I like the rehearsal process. So I hope that's not the case, right? I don't know, we'll see, we'll see. Other ideas or thoughts? Yes. The other thing I wanted to thank you for was that idea that not every story has every element yes. of the whole story. Right. And so, when I'm talking to non Christians about it, it's easy to condemn a movie. Yeah. Because, ah, he's a thief and he's only succeeding because he's got more evil ideas and guile than. Right. I agree, I agree. And yet, I don't do that well. Yeah, it's tough, right? Yeah, yeah. Someone else? Sorry. Yes, <laughs> sorry. Uh, C.S. Lewis talked so much about the longing. Mm-hmm. That longing. It started with him when he was a little kid and his brother made him that beautiful little garden and the, the top of the tin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. come to me. Mm. And at my age stage, I feel like I'm standing on tic-tacs and I cannot. Mm. I'm not ready to go, also, <laughs> but I can't wait. The hunger, the realization of it is going to be. Yes. And, uh, that's yeah. Absolutely. All right. It's 9.45, so we probably need to, to wrap up, Um but I'll stick around for a few more minutes and I'd love to, um, if you have more thoughts about this, I'd love to hear your thoughts about story. Um, I'm always thinking about it. So, you know, if you want to grab a cup of coffee um, or something together, I would love that. I'd love to hear your ideas about stories um, because I'm always, like I said, I'm always thinking about it, right? So please uh, reach out to me if you want to and um, we'll uh, we'll get together. So, all right. Let me pray and we'll close this out. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a God of story. I thank you that you are a God who desires um, to know us and for us to know you. And I just pray that the stories that we take into our lives would help us to know you better. And Father, help us to to think and process stories in a way that would honor and glorify you. I thank you for this day, for everyone here, and I just pray that you'd bless them. your precious name I pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody.